live from the vast immersive entertainment studios at Ideas World Headquarters. Welcome to Ideas On. This week, what's beyond immersive entertainment? <laughs> Should be a good one to talk about. Uh, I know for a fact, because I've read them, if you've looked at the blogs, you know there's a little bit of strong opinion about this one on our team. So just want to run through everybody. Uh, say hi to Duncan Kennedy. Hello. And Jared Wells. Bonjour. And Olivia Allen. Hi. And I'm Bob. And this is Ideas On. So what's beyond immersive entertainment? Speed round, everybody. Quick overview. Where'd you go? Olivia, where'd you go this time? I basically talked about how all good entertainment is immersive entertainment. And if it's not immersing you, well, you're probably doing your entertainment wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll hear some resonance there. Duncan, how about you? Uh, the next evolution of immersive entertainment is going to be uh, removing any semblance of distance or barriers or separation between the audience and the show because the audience is part of the show. The audience actually helps to create the show, which makes it different every time, makes it unique. And the immersion is actually genuine as opposed to faux or you know, fake in some way. Cool. Jared? Um, I actually discussed the next evolution of immersive entertainment as not entertainment. Uh, it's something that goes beyond the realm of fantasy or theater and steps out into the real world to improve immersion in your own daily life, the things that you see on a daily basis, the things you experience on a daily basis in the community, in your house, wherever that is, something that makes your, your experience of your own true reality, not a created reality, a much more fulfilling and enriching one. Cool. And I kind of resonated with the, all of your core points on mine. I take strong issue on this one uh, and, and made, it, made it clear in the blog. I, I'll tell you right now, the whole term immersive entertainment is a term of trade that was invented by an industry that wanted to set itself apart and try to brand itself and turn it into something fancy. And um, I don't think it ever was. I don't think it is now. And I cite this. If you were in the audience at Dionysus or in Athens uh, sometime after that brave fellow Thespis took that huge risk and spoke words to the audience for the first time, you were engaged in an immersive activity. You were, you were placing yourself at the hands of a storyteller and, and willfully suspending disbelief and asking for permission to be in that world. So I really find it, frankly, a little bit arrogant of the, of the, the themed entertainment business, to name it, to have co-opted this term immersive entertainment um, as its own, as it does, because look, you know, it's there. The other side is, and referencing my uh, my background, I will tell you that immersion happens here. Um, immersion happens right here. And, and maybe I'll kick off a quick story about that, and then we can hear from everybody. Um, we did a lot of work years ago, particularly with some pretty high stakes training for the military, among others. And these were critical, dangerous issues we were helping people learn how to deal with. And so there was a real pressure to say, hey, we fidelity, fidelity, fidelity. We got to raise the bar. They, it's got to, we got to have all the whistles and bells. It's got to smell like they're there. It's got to feel like they're there. And we were in a dialogue uh, with the Marine Corps at one point, and these guys were great. And they said, yeah, we'd love to do that, but you know, we, we just don't have the budget. And what we said was, sir, I'll tell you what, if you'll just let us have some Marines and put them in a dark room with earphones on, believe me, they'll sweat. <laughs> they'll do all the things they would in the environment you want us to simulate because we're gonna use this simulator. We're gonna use this immersive entertainment device to really bring the audience into the tale. So I feel pretty strongly about that. So 
Where'd you guys want to go? Olivia, you, you had some really good clarity about it. Tell us about it. Yeah. So if you think about all sorts of entertainment, live theater, um, radio slash podcasts, slash audio books, art, weird museums, uh, stuff like that Meow Wolf place, um, any type of entertainment. The goal is to take you and mess with your brain so that you are put in a different place for a certain amount of time to be told a story and go live in a different world for a little while. That's the goal of, of good entertainment. If, if that's not happening, then you're not doing your job as an entertainer. Okay. So I think whatever it is, if it, and if it's everything, great. What's next? Guys, where did you take that one? What, what did you guys pose as a form factor, if you will, for where this evolves? I think that entertainment, the, the need to escape reality it's, and the need to experience fantasy is something that humans will continue to do no matter how good life gets. But I think that when you look at a, and, and I'm, I'm sticking within the traditional term of immersive entertainment here, if you look at something like a theme park or you look at even a virtual reality or a video game where so much effort and thinking has been poured into programming that environment to tell a certain story or to put you in a certain place. Obviously, again, it's programmed, so there's a little bit of, uh, there's, there's certainly some fantasy to that in the real world, but I think the same sort of process, its next evolution has to go outside of that realm and really impact a person on a day-to-day -day life. And I live in a place where I think that that's been executed on a, uh, on a very well-done level. Uh, I live in Celebration. And it is a town founded in that whole new urbanist idea of making it a very walkable community. And of course, a place where you live is supposed to support the functions of living, going to work, getting your food, whatever you have to do to survive. But one thing I've enjoyed living here is that rather than just taking the sidewalks and walking up and down the streets, we've got this whole lovely area of boardwalks that take you back into the nature of the place. And they're just as quick, they're just as efficient as taking the sidewalk, but they immerse you into more of the story of the place. You walk through nature throughout the seasons. You see it change. You see the animals there. So there are some new characters that you're introduced to as you live in this place and you watch them grow up. I, I think that taking the same idea that, you know, you don't have to program an environment to tell a story. Stories are all around us. And I think that if you apply the same sort of thinking to something in the community or something in the home. The, the example I used was cave paintings as the first form of immersive entertainment. Our, our ancient ancestors, you know, they lived in these very austere rock caves and what did they do? They decided to put up some of the stories, some of the lessons in artistic form on the wall to inform them as their day went on. It wasn't just for artistic purposes. It reminded you before you go out hunting, hey, don't mess in with the front, don't mess with the front end of the mastodon. That's not, that's not gonna end well for you. So. Those sort of uh, things, whatever they are in the future, I think they will not be in the realm of fantasy or the need or necessarily creating escapism. They, the next evolution of immersive entertainment is making us more immersed in the joy of life that surrounds us on a daily basis. So, Duncan, we've been we spent a lot of time you know, talking this week, actually, about show sheets and working on all these parks. Thoughts about what's that next form factor in your head? You know, what, what, how do we kick that up a notch? Well, it, it's not a decimal point on the park development budget. So we're not talking $100 million theme park attractions. Um, it's just the opposite. It's more in the line of you know, what's already emerging now in cosplay or steampunk or even murder mystery dinner theater. You know, So that 
uh, we are eliminating the notion of separation between audience and performer. And instead, we are inviting everyone to partake in an exchange. Now, if that exchange is based in a certain story envelope that is attractive to the guests before they enter the story and enter the experience and participate in that, great. It may be just as simple as the old days where you put a flashlight under your chin and you're telling a story around the campfire. You know, there's there's no special effects. There's no VR goggles, but your audience is just immersed in that story because they are trapped inside the vulnerability of that setting around the campfire where they have no idea what is off in the darkness and behind them. So they are part of that story in the same way we can create experiences that are either based on a story envelope or a story arc or are based on a certain destination or a theme or aesthetic, whatever it might be, you know, like I mentioned, steampunk or, you know, Comic-Con type cosplay, um, where you aren't a performer performing for somebody else where they are, you know, vicariously sitting back and watching the show. Instead, they are act you are actually in the story. You are participating in the recreation, like a Civil War reenactor where, you know, if the entire audience watching the reenactment was in the reenactment instead of off on the periphery, I believe that's where we're headed in terms of what the next iteration of immersive uh, entertainment is. And it doesn't require a lot of technology. The worst thing you can do is strap on a big headset and fake goggles. No, you want to be real, visceral, palpable, you know, tactile in that experience. And it's going to basically establish some new rules in terms of how do we get people to interact on that level and not burst the bubble, so to speak, so that we can all, you know, enjoy that moment where we are, you know, uniquely conversing in the same story? Yeah, I think I go there, too. I mean, the, the idea of losing the fourth wall, right, or forget the traditional theatrical walls. We have a three-dimensional space and we're all in it. Yep. And yeah. Whether you know the script or you don't and where you are in the story and what role you play, even if you're not aware of it. We've all seen great examples of this. I mean, Good straight up early one was uh, Livy and I saw um, the saw once on Broadway or off Broadway a couple of times. Just a fabulous pre-show event where you'd walk in the house and there was a pub on stage and it was a pub and the, the audience was up there and you could order a beer and you could hang out. And then very subtly at a certain point, a stage manager who was clearly a stage manager because she had on a headset and a belt pack sort of didn't elbow but sort of moseyed out and folks begin to drift out of the pub and down into the house and then all of a sudden the fourth wall was back and we realized that's the set and those people we thought were hanging out with us are actually the actors and there's a million ways to think about meow meow wolf is another fabulous one i mean you know can't get enough of that so that's the space dimension the other thing i i like to play with in the next form is the time dimension so if you think about the what we call the show right whether that's in the park or in the theater or how do we engage an audience before the show, connect that engagement to the show and continue to stay with them after the show? So, you know, one thing we kicked around a while back that I still think is a good idea is this notion of if you thought of a museum experience or a theatrical experience or a theme park experience, any of those are good examples. If we tied that to a game, so we're in story, we're in the world of the game and we're playing the game and in a game, you are a participant. And we're doing what we do and we're racking up scores. And then there's a point where there's a place you can go physically. Now, you've been playing through time. Now you can go physically. And as I said in the blog, you show up and there is an actual dragon and you actually have to fight this dragon or whatever the, the moment is. That recurses back into the game, raises your game level. The game also enabled you to know how to engage the experience better. 
to me, that's a spiral model. And we could effectively, as good storytellers, as good designers, we could effectively establish an almost infinite relationship with an audience and stay in story together for a long, long time. So that appeals to me. It sounds like a lot of fun to me. I, I think gamification in immersive entertainment, I, I think that is definitely a next step there. I mean, if you take a look at what they've done in Galaxy's Edge, they've turned your phone into your Star Wars interactor. I mean, as you go around through uh, the park, there are these little tasks that you can get from the junk dealer who wants you to go talk to this guy who owes him some money, and you do it all through your phone. And I love the idea of, of extending it beyond that. I think that's great. But in many environments, mobile devices and things like that take people out of an experience. But I think when you look at immersive entertainment, it has the opportunity to really bring them in to experiences in new ways. Yeah, that makes me think too, Duncan, about our old pal Ken Ingram and what yeah. he would do with interactors, you know. And one thing Ken would do as a producer is he would stay, I'm going to use the word stage because I'm better, but he would stage these things in the middle of the real world. And the participant would sign up for this, but not know what was going to happen. And then people would show up, think, this person's going about their normal life in their normal town. And people would show up, say, come with me. And it, they didn't know where it was going. They had a lot, it involved a lot of trust, right? You really had to trust that this wasn't some, some nutty guy who was going to run out and steal your car. I don't know if I trust that. I don't know either. Well, it's, but, it's, but it's a great experiment. And, and he had a lot of experience with it. Within a boundary that says it's safe, those kinds of things where, where you're not quite sure, you know, uh, even on stage, backstage, you know, one of, one of the things when we were doing the original studio tour park for Disney, one of the things Frank Wells said one time in an interview, and I thought it was just a perfect way to describe it. He said, look, this is the one Disney park, the first Disney park where we are intentionally trying to blur the lines between onstage and backstage. We actually want the guest to wander into a place, say, wait a minute, did I, am I supposed to be here? This looks like they're shooting a movie, you know? Um, and blurring that line was the whole intention of that park. So to me, that's where the fun is next, really. However, however we figure out physically how to do it. I also think it's interesting because there certainly is, particularly for a park like studios where, you know, it's a studio. I guess kind of zoos sort of remind me of that because when you go to a zoo, you, of course, are there to experience the animals. You're there to experience the habitats they live in and what they do but you also are there to experience the care that they get and to see how what it goes into taking care of an animal and what that's all about. It reminds me of the plot of the, you guys remember the movie Last Starfighter? If you, if you don't, the, the quick synopsis of the, of the plot is there's a game. It's an old school like pinball machine kind of game almost. An arcade game, yeah, with a joystick. An arcade game with joysticks out of the way place. This kid's playing it and it's called The Last Starfighter and he's playing the game. And as it evolves, it turns out it's actually a recruiting device for this unseen intergalactic force. And the kid gets recruited to really go into space and really that's the same premise as Ender's Game. If I was going to say like Ender's Game, but not as dark. Yeah, it's exactly like Ender's Game. Well, look, I'd like to wrap up with a question. I just, and this is something in, just, we didn't talk about it, but I love it. Let's go around the table. The, the best example from your own life of the most immersed you've ever been in what you would classify an entertainment environment. For me, it was theater and it was actually fairly recent. And I'm going to forget the name of the play. Um, play about a kid who's kind of a nerd in high school and has a different. Oh, Jeremy Hansen. Yes, thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. So Great play. that show twisted me around in my head 
to the point that I had to physically sit in the house for 20 minutes after the show was over, after the audience had gone to reset my gyros. I was so pulled into it. And frankly, it was emotionally. And that show was, was set not in my time. I, you know, something about that. And it was everything. It was the set design. It was the tech. It was the performance. It was the music. It was done so skillfully that it pulled me down a rabbit hole into a vortex that I, that I had a work to get back out of. So yeah, Evan Hansen, a couple of years ago, uh, that was it for me. Who else? The play Indecent by Sarah Rule. It's really intense, but it's really good if you want to watch it. And it was a lot. Jared, how about you? One come to mind? Immersive experience or just entertainment? Oh, just the time when you felt most immersed. I got to say, probably the most immersive experience I've ever had was going to see Tony Bennett in concert. Funny enough. It was just him and a jazz trio, and, and the trio was kind of in the back, and he was up in the spotlight. And, uh, you know, it was a th- it was an old theater. It was like from the 1940s. And as he was singing these these songs and sharing the stories about the conversation he had with, with Ira Gershwin and Cole Porter and all these great old uh, geniuses of song. I mean, there hundreds of other people in the theater. They just disappeared. And it felt like, literally, I was sitting at the, on the steps in the stage. I was, I was in the, you know rear balcony, but <laughs> it felt like I was sitting up there on the edge of the steps, just listening to the guy tell stories. And there wasn't any fancy tricks involved. It was just uh, his gestalt as a performer that was able to transport me back to those, what I imagine they must've been like to sing at the Paramount in 1943 or something. Very cool. Duncan, how about you? Uh, well, you mentioned Ken Ingram. So um, it would be the first time I ever saw what he and Jeff Worth were doing for uh, iPlay for the, uh, interactive performance at uh, UCF, University of Central Florida. And me and a friend were actually invited to come and attend the closing scene, which was set up as a party at this mover and shakers house, who was one of the faculty at the university who had allowed them with the production to use his house and host this party, which would then transition to the rap party of the entire production that had been going on for the last two days. And so we showed up. We were told to wear a coat and tie like it was a cocktail party. We showed up. We, we got a drink. We're hanging out, kind of not sure what's going on. Stage manager comes in, tells us very quickly what's been happening in the last you know 18 hours or so of the journey of this one person who was a reporter for a, a local newspaper who had agreed to you know participate in this and in doing so uh, would then write an article about the experience. And so... We get a cue that they're on their way. The production people come in. Uh, some cameras had been set up, little remote cameras, just because they were documenting as well. But these were all in the, in the background. You didn't notice them. And so suddenly this guy rushes into the house, crashes the party. We all react like, what's going on? There's a, you know, Ken was actually playing the bad guy, the villain, if you will. And so they have this dramatic uh, stare down and, 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 you know, conclusion of what's going on. There's a heroine who's, who steps into the story and, you know, we're sort of all suddenly background people watching this play out like you would, you know, watching a movie where the, the hero and the villain finally go out in a pu- public setting. And, you, you know, you see all these people in the background stopping whatever they're doing, watch what's going. That's what we were doing. And suddenly we were in the midst of this story. And I went from being curious about what is this production concept they're doing to an invited guest into somebody's home to suddenly being at a cocktail party where this weird fight suddenly broke out. And suddenly I'm paying attention to what's going on because I'm a witness to a crime here. And it it was just very transformative for me. I immediately afterwards, you know, I'm 
asking Ken a million questions and Jeff Worth, how do I get involved? What, you know, what is this all about? You know, please show me more. And so, um, you know, very big fan of what uh, Ken's still doing in Orlando, Jeff Worth out in California and then in Texas. Um, you know, they're really pushing the envelope on this and very excited. Um, as far as a reference, I would suggest people look up. Uh, there's a place in Utah called Evermore. It's a yes. it's a park. And uh, as opposed to it being a theme park with rides, it's an experiential village where you come in as one of the villagers and you join in on whatever the village yeah. is doing that day. And it's oh, very it's Dungeons and Dragons in real life. It's yes, exactly. That sounds so fun. Yep. Yeah, we should we should we should all do a field trip. And, yes, uh, we've, you know, and, and by the way, we mentioned it. That, we'll say it again. If anybody gets a chance to, to see Meow Wolf in Santa Fe or, or the new Omega Mart uh, installation in Vegas, if you're interested in things like this, the absolutely super job they did. Well, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. This is Ideas On. We uh, would love to hear from you. Please uh, comment on our blog page, if you will. Uh, you obviously found us on YouTube or you found us at podcast. So wherever you found us, share this with your friends. We'd like to hear from them too. And uh, we'll be around. We got more coming. Thanks, everybody.